What's up, guys and gals? This is your captain speaking, and welcome to episode 11 of the Captain Nazis podcast. Holy shit, I didn't butcher the intro. You, you, hear, you see that, Mom? I did not butcher the intro. That is like, I don't know. I think this is... No, I don't think I butchered last episode. I don't I can't even remember. Anyways, guys, um, this is a very... I'm excited to learn about this episode, learn in this episode because I, this, like this person is one of the first people where I basically was like, okay, I'm going to confirm I'm going to do this podcast because I'm stuck in this quarantine. Um, there's nothing else I could do. A lot of my friends believe in me. And this is one of the people that was like, Hey, go ahead for it. Put me in the pod one day and then we'll just go ahead and talk. So without further ado, Rachel Abraham, thank you. I know how busy you are, but Hello. thank God you made it on the pod. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm genuinely excited for this. I'm like so honored that I made it on and like listening to all of your other friends and seeing how you've had yeah. such close friends from like undergrad and just cherished moments with them to be able to just come on and speak with you. And of course, I wouldn't miss this for the world. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So this lady right here is like super important to me because, um, which is crazy because shout out to Lily Katz. That is actually the um, the bane of the, the bane of existence of like why this person like became important in my life. Um, I've only really known Rachel for a year because I my internship was at Campus Health and she was a graduate intern, graduate assistant, a graduate assistant. assistant. There you go. I mean, I God, I already for, that, it felt so long ago for me to like even remember that that was your actual name like your actual title in the office but i don't think uh, anybody actually knew my title i will never forget i was being introduced to a campus partner <laughs> and someone and the person from campus health just looked at me and they were like what is what do you do this is rachel this is just rachel that's this all is you our graduate student <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's uh, a funny funky title but yeah i'll take it i've been called worse and to me and the three other fellow interns and all the other uh, grad, like other undergrad kids that worked within Campus Health. Rachel is our workplace mom. That is what she is. Um, we, and, and we like, uh, we cherish her dearly for that. Um, all she ever did was, you know, go ahead and be like, hey, do you need help with anything? Hey, how are you? How are you doing? Is there anything I could do like to make your experience here better? Is there anything here to help you with school? Do you need any tips? that is exactly what a workplace mom needs to do. Like if you, if you guys have a person like Rachel in your, in your uh, workplace or whatever, please, I, I, please, please. That is an amazing resource. That is just someone that genuinely cares. We need more people like that. Yeah. Thank now you. your intro is done. <laughs> Thank you. As I'm going to like start crying now. That was so sweet and kind of you to say. Which is like, I don't know what, not even a minute into the podcast already. <laughs> just like giving you tummy sticks. But the first thing, the first thing, um, Lily, we're going to talk about Lily now. <laughs> because the day, like when I met her and when I like be became close to her for like each of those four years, she always referenced you um throughout each of those four years so tell the pod and i'm gonna have lily be a guest in this podcast somewhere in time just not obviously not now uh i was you, more important so i got to go first <laughs> that well. um but yeah you were what you were like the person that she always referenced for all these other experiences like oh yeah rachel abraham told me about this yeah rachel abraham this or rachel abraham that and 
it was just kind of strange to me that it took until my senior year for me to finally actually meet the legend herself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, how, how did, how did the existence of Lily Katz like go into your life before I get yeah. to my thing? Yeah. So I met Lily her freshman year of college, which was my junior year. Um, she had rushed the same sorority that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Obviously, every person that met Lily just fell in love with her. That's just an innate quality that she has. And it was like a fight to get her as the little. Yeah, and guilty, guilty. <laughs> I'm one of those. Yeah, and like my, oh my gosh, I remember all of the drama my little was telling me about and how she just wanted this one girl, Lily Katz, as her little. And I remember going around and like meeting all these other freshmen, like, trying to figure out who Lily Katz is. And then we had like this spreadsheet of like, there was going to be a night where like the upperclassmen got to meet the freshmen, which was a really unique experience. I stalked that sheet. I figured (laughs) out who was paired up with her. Yeah. And I went and I said, I will trade you. I feel so bad. I trade her, traded her a girl. I don't even remember this girl's name that I traded for. Uh-huh. And I sat in front of Lily like an idiot because I was so excited to meet her because I had just heard such great things. Yeah. Um, now, fast forward a couple weeks later, um, she's in my fam. So she's my proud. Hey. I'm very proud to be her grandma and she's my grandlittle. <laughs> and that was in her freshman year. And then... Her sophomore year, so my senior year, mm-hmm. we both lived in the AEFI house together. Right, yeah. And so it was only a semester, but you get to know people very quickly when you live a door down from them. Mm-hmm. So right. that really helped us bond. And then she convinced me, my gap semester in between undergrad and grad, mm-hmm. to go to Utica, Mississippi to work at a oh. day camp. Uh-huh. And I was the infirmary administrator, which is hilarious to look back at it because we had a viral outbreak where I had to quarantine people for 48 hours and they looked at me like I was crazy. But TBT, I was just prepping those kids for later in life. <laughs> um, and then came back for my first year of grad school. It was her junior year. And then her senior year, I was looking for a roommate. So uh-huh. I said, hey, Lil, uh, come move in with me. So we ended up then becoming roommates and you know how that, and they were roommates. Um, and <laughs> I make myself laugh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm so laughing. So you're funny. Confirm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So then we just, you know, bonded while living together and I actually saw her today. Um, so it was exciting. Oh, how um, lucky. I'm jealous. Damn. Yeah. I got a COVID test. I missed that today. girl. How did that go? <laughs> it was fine. I feel like now, I mean, my nose, I kept, I kept sneezing. Like, I mean, so I've gotten a flu test before and they feel the exact same way as a flu test. Okay, yeah. Um, but I feel like a lot of people have never gotten a flu test because they're all like, this is going up to my brain. Like, what? Like, I feel so bad for the woman at Campus Health that swabbed me for the flu my senior year of college. Oh yeah, and Lily Katz gave me the flu my senior year of college. And so I couldn't partake <laughs> in senior syllabus week because she gave me the flu. I would like everybody to know that she gave me the flu. <laughs> but yeah. On a tangent. Lily and I, it feels like I have known her my entire life and she is somebody that I'm very happy to always have in my life. And yeah, she always spoke of her friend, Adrian, who I oh. had always heard about as well. Damn. Um, 
But then, yeah, and then when she was like, yeah, so Adrian's going to be an intern at Campus Health, I was like, oh my gosh, I finally get to put a face to the name. And I mean, then, that's what I, that's exactly how I felt, too, because she was like, hey, Rachel works there, too. And then, yeah, like, when she got the internship, she was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be with Rachel, too. And I was like, whoa, whoa, cool. I mean, on top of that, we already, we already had, like, a power team, Callie and Zoe, too, so. Yeah, and shout then, out then, to the MVPs of HPPS. Yeah, and then we're going to have them, and then we have you, and then we met, I met everybody else within the staff like i don't like i i talked to marissa about this and she was just saying like look i'm gonna go through four years of interns and i feel like your like set might be the best one because like she i think is no maybe not four three maybe three years of intern she said and right now like she currently isn't even isn't even meeting them considering the state of our you know world right now Mm -hmm. so I mean, who knows, like, how the last set of interns she's going to meet is going to be like, so. But I'm, I'm just going to I'm just saying, like, we're probably still going to be the best one in Marissa's eyes. Like, like there's just no question. So. <laughs> I've seen my you know. fair share of campus health interns, and I must say, you, <laughs> the relationships and friendships that I made within this group um, will last a lifetime. I mean, look at this right now. Like, this is working out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, on a tangent, um, my yeah. my workplace, like, since you're speaking about, like, flu and COVID tests, we actually have rapid testing now, mm. which is really cool. And, like, dude, it's just been sad because I've just been seeing people, like, get their results. And some of them are either just, like, put their head down once they get it. And then, like, I've had – we've had, like, those customers that just, like, jump – for joy like yeah 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 i got i got tested negative and then like it's just like super wholesome and then you even hear them say like mom i'm negative and you know so i don't know like what do you know the technology of like how um rapid testing even works because like i should know this considering i'm actually at the place that has it but i don't know like how that actually works yeah i mean all i know is that Obviously, they're not as accurate as, yeah. like, the nasopharyngeal swab, so the mm-hmm. one that touches your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a really good mechanism to start trusting. Because, like you were saying, people get so excited that they're negative. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that people aren't being like, oh, I'm negative. I can go out to the bars. I can go out to a restaurant. I can do this, that, and the next thing. Yeah. It needs to be saying what you're doing is correct and you yeah. need to keep up with that healthy behavior because it's working it's like i got my antibody test mm-hmm. and in a sense i was kind of sad that i didn't have the antibodies because i almost wanted to be like oof i had it and i was okay yeah but then in the same sense it was like no that was proof that by sheltering in place by wearing my mask social distancing washing my hands drying my hands out with hand sanitizer and taking all these precautions yeah like i'm doing the right thing Mm -hmm. so i hope at the end of the day with increased access to testing yes we'll be able to find more positive cases to begin to isolate and then trace those cases Mm -hmm. but also those that are staying negative positive reinforcement like you yeah. like that feeling of being able to go text your mom that you were negative, like go do that again next week. And then the week after that. Yeah. So you could just keep getting that kind of reaffirmation that like, Hey, I'm good. Like everyone or everyone else around me is not going to be affected. So like, that's even, you know, and that, and that's like ultimately why I've just also been careful too, because I have like, when I moved back home, like I have 
older people living with me I have my lola and my grandfather like my lola living downstairs so like i have to actually take extra precaution we mm -hmm. at the end of the day still don't know how this whole thing spreads like we don't and you know just based on like how random it's been it, it seems like it's just as common as the way the common cold spreads and even that like we have an idea of like how it spreads but we don't exactly know how you know like there's no there's no vaccine for the common cold which is like what <laughs> you know yeah. so i'm i'm like actually scared that this i mean no i think there's gonna be a vaccine but um sometimes i just actually fear that this uh covid19 thing is gonna be just like the common cold oh, oh yeah i got a cold like at the end like you know you know what i'm, you know what I'm saying yeah like, it'll I'm, be I'm like kind of worried about that it'll be just a common thing like yeah like sorry, I can't come into work today, I have COVID, and it's not going to be the scary thing, kind of in yeah. that sense, where it almost just becomes so normal. Yeah, and it's like when people say, oh, yeah, dude, like, just, like, stay away from me for a little bit because I have a cold. Like, don't hug me, I have a cold, you know? I don't think yeah. it's going to get to that point, but I also won't be surprised if it gets to that point, which is terrifying. Yeah, I so. think, if anything, it'll be more, like, the flu, hopefully, because I, I, I want there to be a vaccine for I'm it. Insane. Like, yeah, I think it will come to a point where people will have it and be like, oh, like I'm out of work for a week because I have COVID or I'm out of work for a week because I have the flu. Yeah. Um, and I think it just becomes so scary because we do learn something new about it every day. Every day. You and I are both science people. So we've ran experiments in the lab and you see something fail and you mm -hmm. learn something new and then you go back to the drawing board and you start over. That mm. is a normal course of science. And I think the issue is so many Americans have never seen science in action before. Yeah, they have so They're going, oh, but yesterday you said this. Well, yesterday we didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And so it's so hard to be conveying science in real life to people mm -hmm. who aren't science-minded. Right. And I think that then becomes where you want to be able to rely on your government officials to be able to lead. Mm -hmm. And I think then that brings in a whole other host of problems of you're trying to look up to somebody of what should I do, but we're a country in shambles. We right. have just highlighted inequities that are happening and looking mm -hmm. at how COVID is hitting minority communities. And yeah. then you look at communities who, or, you know, I'm going to call you out, Adrian, who lives in a multi-generational household mm -hmm. and you use the word fear. Yeah. And that is what has been instilled because of just the world of which we are living in mm -hmm. and where you have to hope that the person standing next to you in the grocery store is being just as careful as you. Right. Right. Now to follow up with you on two things. So one thing yeah. is that, um, you know, you mentioned those people that are always just say, Oh, but you said this yesterday, a lot of science is trial and error. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't document every single part of that. So when there's something that actually does work, sometimes those scientists, whether it be me, whether it be the smartest person out there, they forget to document it. And then they're just like, holy shit, I figured out how to do it, but I didn't document it. So now I can't provide any sort of accurate information, you know? And then that's when they get to that point where they're just like, okay, do I fucking report this, that it something worked, even though I didn't, you know, document that? That's the, that's the other scary thing. Like, and those people just don't understand that like that happens in a lab that mm -hmm. sometimes you just forget to entirely document something, you know, even when you find that there's a result, it sucks. Yeah. 
the second thing you mentioned that I live, I live in a household with my family. Um, my family is very careful and there is a lot of cultural like bullshit that like I go through because a lot, like my, a lot of people in my culture, um, and it, and it's, it, it like really grinds my gears. It's really annoying. Um, they love to think that they're above health and they always just resort to saying like, Oh, if I get it, that's up to God, which is like, okay, I'm not, I'm not denouncing your religion. I'm not, dis- I'm not discrediting your beliefs, but it's just like, okay, fine. Go ahead. You do that. Right. You, you do that. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, it's up to God. You're going to do whatever the fuck you want. You go to a hospital where you work, where they work, you affect other people when you're supposed to be caring for them. What's the point in that? That bothers me. It bothers me that there's a lot of healthcare workers that go to work. And then afterwards, they're also the first people that go and party as if they're immune to it because they work at the hospital every single day. It just doesn't, it it doesn't sit well with me. I'm glad that I have, I'm glad that my family is like those people that actually take precaution for that. But then, you know, there's all these other people that are, they, they don't even know that they're hurting everyone else. You know, how do you feel like, how do you feel about that? Because I did say that I wanted to talk to you about that one. Cause there's yeah. just this one day where it really pissed me off. And I was like, Rachel, I need to talk to you about this. Wait, let's save it for another time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now yeah. we saved this for like three weeks. I'm really yeah, we did save it. I, we saved it for three weeks, but that's like, I, I needed to get that one out of there. It, it just yeah. bothers me. And also like all, whatever my mom is just telling me that she sees on Facebook, it's just like, God, you, you did all that to sacrifice you going to nursing school and then learning all of this good stuff so that you could provide for your family. And then you're not providing for them by taking precaution. You know, I go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I'm just going to carry off from your soapbox there. Yeah, that was... You know, it is really hard when you see... So, I mean, I know I'll go on Instagram and I'll have friends who are in the medical field. And, you know, you see them in large party settings. Like, you can tell when somebody's at a kickback at somebody's house. And you can tell when someone's dressed all nice and cute and hair is done and makeup and there's alcohol pouring. And you're just like... One thing that's really bothering, I'm, I'm going to round about this, okay. but is the phrase of like, oh, first time doing this post-COVID. Oh, this is my first time like going to the pool post-COVID. Why are we saying post-COVID? We are not post-COVID. We are in COVID. Post-COVID is when we're on the other side of this and we're not on the other side. So it's really hard when you see people that you respect as your friends but then people who are also looked up to in the community because they have given their life to medicine mm-hmm. and to helping other people, just blatantly disregarding the guidelines that are being sent out and what is happening to just do what they want to do. Trust me, I am just as quarantine fatigued as the next person, but yeah. I'm not going to go and do anything about it with the sense of going to a party or you know, you know, doing something that I know I'm not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I was, I was getting funny looks back in April mm-hmm. wearing a, uh, a mask to the grocery store. Yeah. And I just remember being like, okay. And you know, at the end of the day, I've seen this on Twitter. If in a year from now, I am told that that mask does nothing. Okay, whatever. I've wasted $18 on buying cute masks that I think will match my work outfits. Yeah. And then but like, in a year from now, <laughs> yeah. if I find out that that mask 
helped stop transmission and helped prevent me from getting sick. Incredible. Mm -hmm. So it's like our healthcare heroes are the ones who are begging people to still follow protocols, who are begging us to still recognize that we are in a pandemic. But then it looks like on my social, and of course I have, I want to like go out and say that I have a lot of medical professional friends on Instagram who are not doing this, but right. for the select two that are, it is very loud what you're doing and showing the same people who are begging for us to follow a protocol or the same ones breaking it. And it's, you've got to practice what you preach. You've got to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is we don't have other examples to follow. We don't. And yeah, they, we really do look forward to them. Like anyone who, like, for example, like a small example, like I catch myself doing this. I have a friend whose dad is a doctor and some, and like most people, when they have a friend whose dad is a doctor, they always say, Hey, like, what do you know about this? Because your dad's a doctor. Like everyone has that high, that super high pedestal of you. Yeah. And like what, whatever doctor, whatever says, they're likely going to say, okay, that's a good source. I should go ahead and look up for them, look up to them. Mm -hmm. And then the moment they go ahead and see them having a barbecue at the beach, like with with like whatever on like a football Sunday, then they're going to be like, what, what the hell is that? Like, it's just finding out. It's it's just like for like finding out that your heroes are a fraud. And like, that's just like the worst thing that you could like possibly see, you know? Yeah. Cause we're helpless and those people are the ones that give them somewhat of hope, even though they might not know every single part of it, like you mentioned, but it sucks. It just really sucks. Um, and I was talking to my parents about this with um, some people who are like nurses and I was like telling them like, this is how I see it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, or correct me if you see it differently. But I was saying, you know, sometimes those people that are nurses or sometimes are doctors, they sadly, happen to do that because that's what their family wanted them to do you know Mm -hmm. and then you know to the point that whatever they like studied they just don't truly act upon it because they don't actually care and that like sometimes really reflects on like how like how they're dealing with this pandemic you know for example like nurse nurse like jane doe like worked so hard to go to nursing school to satisfy her parents Mm-hmm. only for her to like tell her patients, Hey, you got to be safe. You got to practice this. You got to practice this, do that, you know, because you don't want to affect them only for Jane Doe to go like host a party for like her birthday because she really wants to affecting everyone, like her surrounding communities. Imagine if Jane Doe's nurse, Jane Doe's parents, like patients saw that. Yeah. Same idea. And I was talking to my parents about that. And I was just saying, you know what? That sucks. Like I, part of me wants to assume, which I shouldn't that they are truly the people that just did this because like they were told to do it. They don't truly care for the love of medicine. Like they don't, mm-hmm. you know, if they cared for the love of medicine, then they would like be doing, they'd, they'd be practicing what they preach. And I just haven't seen that lately. And it really, really irks me. Um, I hope they get, they get to a change of heart yeah. at some point because you're really going to affect a lot of people. And Absolutely. It, it's like, it's really sad. And it's um, hard because I think the people that I'm friends with that I see, you know, being out, call out being irresponsible mm-hmm. are the ones that I truly believed had a passion for medicine. Yeah. And so it's like, here is something that you say you have a passion for, but then you go and act this way. It's really, it's really hard. And 
You know, I think that's also something for me to personally wrap my head around. I'm so fortunate that I grew up in a family that what I wanted to be that week, they supported me. And I mean, I'm a public health nerd. I knew public health since I was 16. So once that day came, my parents were like, all right, awesome. Like, let's do it. What mm-hmm. is public health? Tell me about it a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. TIPH, this is public health right now. You listening to a podcast, you driving your car, you biking, you walking, you watching TV, whatever you're doing while listening to that, that is public health. And Adrian and I will tell you how it is. But I'm so fortunate that I grew up in a family that was like, yes, nerd out on what it is that you want to nerd out for and have that passion drive. It was never about make us proud and be XYZ. It was be XYZ, do what you love, and then make us proud. Right. And I do want to follow up with that one with, I think it was a tweet by Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think it was saying, students nowadays don't cheat because they don't care about learning. They cheat because the system values grading more than learning. Mm. And, um, you know, with what you said about how you see this subject of public health, like I, I, I just don't see that in our generation anymore. You know, like the, the, for the love of learning, you know, there's all these things that students want to learn. Honestly, I, I would say everyone at, for at least a little bit wants to learn a little bit of something with the hardest subjects that they never thought that they could like achieve or accomplish or learn about. Like I, I know everyone wants to learn a little bit of code because it's probably interesting. I know everyone wants to learn a little bit of math because they want to overcome that hump of it being hard mm-hmm. like I, and apply that everyone else. But then at the end of the day, like it's just so formatted where you're just, care about grades and that's like what that's what just defeats the whole purpose of learning although i get that most places want to look at you on paper to see okay is he qualified to be able to do this based on his grades yeah yada 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 but it's just you know i i i wish that we saw more like passion and value in learning something rather than you know okay i go to school just to like get the bag like get these good grades. What are you going to like, you know, to those people, like, did you take in what you learned or did you just do this because they told you to get good grades? You know? Well, my, always... uh, my grad school mentor, and I'm going to tell this to you okay. yeah. as you are embarking in your graduate journey. Um, he looked at me and he said, this is the first time in your life. You are a name. This is the first time in your life you are more than just a number. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, in, und- in high school, right. it was all about what's your GPA, what's your ACT score, and how many extracurriculars were you in. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Now right. you're applying to grad school. What's your GPA? What's your GRE score? Uh, or your GMAT or LSAT yeah. or MCAT? And then how many hours of clinical shadowing have you done? How many hours of this have you done? How many internships and this, that, and the next thing have you done? And then you finally get into grad school and they go, well, now tell me a bit about yourself. And this is the first time you get to introduce yourself as you and not as that number. Right. And I think it goes back because we we're lucky. We got to get to we got the ability to get to the point where we are viewed in the academic world as not a number. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, not everybody gets to that point. They either finish out in high school where you're still a number mm-hmm. or you finish out after college and you're still a number. Right. And it's, we have societally just become 
a numbered culture. Like you said, it's all about what grades are you going to make. And one of my favorite things that I had in grad school mm-hmm. were classes that were like, they graded us so hard. But if you put that work in, you felt the pressure, you felt the stress of papers and exams and this, that, and the next thing. But then, yeah, you got your A and you access because that's what you want to see at the end of the day. But you learned so much more than if you were just trying to stress to get an A paper. Yeah. I mean, for those of you guys who are listening who are public health people from the U of A, trying to get an A paper from Joe Gerald seems like a very hard, daunting task. And he got us to the point where it was like, okay, I'm going to write you this paper and I'm going to write you a damn good paper. And he's going to come back and he's going to be like, yeah, this was a good like 72. And you're like, but I thought it was good. So then you take it back to the drawing board because yes, he gives you that number to motivate you. But at the end of the day, I ended his class with an A because I didn't focus on the points. We've become such point collectors. Mm-hmm. And I took a class through College of Pharmacy and this instructor doesn't give exams either because he said, all you do is you study for that exam for that grade and then you forget everything. So I'm going to give you a hard project to work on the entire semester and you're going to learn and you're going to read and you're going to have hours of homework every night. But I still refer back to that class, not by my notes, but by what's still in my brain because... I wasn't focused on trying to memorize anything for a quiz or a test. I was focused on trying to absorb the material. Right. And that's like, that's exciting to hear. Like I'm telling you a story about getting this experience where if the conversation was flipped and we always had that experience, then we were like, Oh my God, can you believe this one instructor? Like I just had to try, like all I cared about was getting the points in the class. I think we would be a society that's much more dedicated to learning And, you know, I've kind of taken my public health track and I focused on access to higher education and making sure people have the ability to get a college education if that's what they want. And you just see how all society has done is put up roadblocks and it's up to us to be able to take those barriers down and give people this access to education because we know that's going to be your number one determinant of what your um, health outcome will be. So if we want to start addressing health inequities, we need to also start addressing the education gap. And like you were saying, that drive and motivation for education. Yeah, it, I like want to take a moment because I part, like the inside of me wants to just cry because like that was actually so beautiful. Um, Look, I think like I, again, I'm just surrounded by like amazing people, like for you to tell me that because you care and you care about like whoever's listening to this because it's important. We don't think about stuff like this all the time. And I don't think that like I would get to this point if it weren't for, you know, luckily my, my, my parents giving me the education in high school and then yeah. allowing me to go to like to college in another state. I could always say like, man, if only people got, if only people were able to get the experiences that I went through or Rachel went through, like that would be great. But it's just not possible because not everyone has those kinds of same resources that we did, you know, and it's unfortunate. You truly wish that that was the case, but like for the most part, it isn't for the average person, which just truly sucks. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, again, Rachel, RT. Um, so a class that I took, it was strategic planning. 
Oh, and Ernie Schloss. Yep. No, that was the class. That was the class that also didn't require testing either. It was just all mm -hmm. pure. It was just all pure application. So, you know, you know, Ernie, you know that class. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like, uh, like there's just some girl I was freaking out like, oh my God, is this class going to be hard? Like, how is he going to grade it? How is he going to do this? Just based on the syllabus. And then he straight up was just like, I don't care about like, I'm only giving you a grade because that's what the university requires me to do. And then he straight, he basically subtly was like, you guys are all basically going to get an A, but like, is that really going to matter if he didn't take away anything from what I said? Because mm -hmm. once he said, he told us what's going to matter to me at the end of the day is when you come back to me in emails and say, Hey, I learned this from your class and I applied it to this situation because this was a scenario that we were given to act out in class. Mm -hmm. He was telling us like, that is the most rewarding thing that I could get as an instructor and that I think you can get as a student. Because when you go, when you go and learn in, in a class where it's just based on a test, are you just, are you going to remember that for, for the most part? No, like we learned because we had all these um, physical scenarios that we were given. We just had to act it out in class and then we actually discussed it. And like most of that stuck to my head and I will give, I will give an example of like what, one of the things that stuck to my head. It was the, do you remember this simple, um, simple, simple, complex, um, no, simple, complicated, complex. Yes. So simple. And for everyone, as you guys can tell, I really remembered that one. Four yeah. Years later. <laughs> yeah. Like, see, you see like this class already, I haven't even just said what the example is. This class has like, it, it's just amazing. Like, I mm -hmm. love that class, but anyways, so s simple complicated complex so the example that ernie gave us for simple was baking a cake it's it's baking a cake is you know probably difficult for a lot of people considering that we have a lack of cooking experience you know me me even though i tried a lot of trial and error cooking drunk cooking in college you don't have to talk about that <laughs> yeah so baking cake you you buy the ingredients you have the instructions you put it in the oven then you get a cake right okay probably hard for those people who are you know new to cooking but it's not complicated mm -hmm. because complicated he said is building a rocket there's a lot of stuff that you have to consider when you build a rocket and you know there's all that aerodynamics that you have to figure out there's all that um me me mechanics that you have to figure out and you know what, what kind of fuel you need to put it in etc cetera, etc cetera, all that science stuff rocket science but there's an end result. The end result is that you finish the rocket. When you bake a cake, there is an end result. You you have a cake. That's what simple and complicated have. But the part that's complex that he mentioned was raising a child. Mm -hmm. Because there is not one single way on how you raise a child. You also do not know what the end result is going to be when you raise a child. Like might get a little bit dark because you don't at the end of the day you truly don't know what the end result is when you raise a child because maybe you die or you don't know what the end result is because maybe that child somewhere along the way unfortunately also dies you like the, there's no way there's no way to measure what the end result is going to be when you raise a child ever you know because mm -hmm. like throughout your lifetime let's say let's say your child surpasses you like when you're gone from this world you like you don't know what the end result of your child is still going to be you know and that's complex mm -hmm. and like that stuck to me forever and i will 
do I, I i will use that example for like a lot of people when it comes to that point of a conversation ever but yeah learning it's important learning. guys it's Absolutely. very important if you don't learn a new thing every day a part of me is sad you should always strive to learn something new it can be something so small minuscule but try right. to find that new thing that you've learned and education is power yeah you know? learning being informed that's powerful your knowledge your brain your lived experiences that right. is power have you ever actually tried to count how many things how many new things you learned in one day because like i feel like i've tried <laughs> to do it but then i lose track because you excuse me you actually do learn new things every day yeah even through scrolling through your damn like social media oh wow you know seeing a new picture is learning something new every day because it gives you an idea of like what that person is like, what that person is going to go through, which is crazy. That shit's mind blowing. You know? Um, I feel like, I feel like I should try that. Like, or at least attempt to see a how challenge many... to everyone who's listening. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow, try. try, try to see how many new things you learn. Like, I feel like, I feel like, well, Okay, I need to Google this. Maybe there is a Google answer, like a, a ballpark, how many things we actually learn every day. What do you think? What, what is your ballpark number? 15. 15? Huh. I say, I feel like it's more. I feel like, I feel like it might even be 100 because of small things, you know? Just because of like small things, even like news. Do news headlines count as learning? True, readings? true. Because if you're. That's the trippy part for me. Okay. Let's well, see, on Quora.com, <laughs> learning is a process which never stops. Um, that is the most important thing. How many times are we going to say it's the most important thing? It is. Uh, this was just a really, like, philosophic answer. What was it? <laughs> and she quotes... <laughs> Learning is a process which never stops, but also it requires continuous effort in order to maintain the balance. I do learn to be grateful of what I've learned daily, how to make myself happy, because when I'm happy, I can give happiness to my family. I learn to be a responsible person and to make my family members proud of me. I write answers on Quora because we are all here to share our own life experience. I try to give answers based on my own experience because when you've experienced the things you write by heart, I love to help people and guide them when they need help. I'm a good listener too. So each day I work upon my skills too. I believe sharing and gaining knowledge is a very good thing. So I learn from people daily. I learn how to be a good reader and a good listener. Each day I learn something new from people by interacting with them. Each day I learn and I grow and grow. That is well there you go folks you couldn't have said any better thanks cora thank you cora that is like that website is actually slept on i feel like remember that back in the day it used to be yahoo answers but i feel like the modern yahoo answers that we like we see okay. as like the first result is cora nowadays i feel like i'm about to date myself what was the site that you could like text a question to and it would like it was like right when texting was first a thing. It was like back in 08. Oh, I don't think. No. When I say okay. 08, I mean like. 2008. No, like 
prior to 2008. Okay, well, I didn't have a cell phone at that time in my life, so I don't think I could tell oh, you the answer to that. What was it called? Oh, no. I'm just only oh. thinking about like those, hey, text this so that you can get the results on American Idol. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I remember the days before texting where you just have to call and then it was busy and then you couldn't get through. So then you had to just keep recalling because you wanted to make sure Kelly Clarkson got all of your votes. Yeah. Damn. Big you, so we, we are all texters nowadays. It's like a, another little tangent. If you, mm-hmm. I remember receiving like actual phone calls, not FaceTimes from friends. And that was just so valuable to me throughout quarantine because yeah. I think I, because I think I forgot what a, a normal phone call was like. And then to the point that it felt new, but then it wasn't, you know? I'm such a FaceTime person. Yeah, I, I am a FaceTime person love FaceTime for like five ever now. Yeah. To the point where like my parents were like, can you please stop FaceTiming us and just call us on the phone? Like you're draining our batteries. And I was like, oh. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. Like we have this technology where you can physically see your face while you're talking. Yeah. You know? Um, and then speaking of FaceTime, this girl, Rachel, like throughout some point in quarantine after I came for my walk with my mom, she was just like, look, we need to talk. I say this seriously. You need to download TikTok. I was so mad because she doesn't just FaceTime me. Like usually when she FaceTimes me, it's always like something very good that she has to say or she's concerned. And then when she was concerned at that point, she straight up was like, you need to download TikTok. And I still have done it, guys. And I deleted it like back in July. Really? Like cold turkey. One morning I was on my way to work and I was like, all right, I have a job now. I'm done. (laughs) And I just deleted it. I do miss it some days, but text me your funny TikToks. All I could say say is that I will never know what the rush of that was like. I mean, because regardless, I saw it on Twitter anyway. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll forever be a vine gal though. I that feel creativity that. in six seconds. Yeah, I dig that. I dig Just that. Um, since this episode is a lot about learning, I remember, you know, if, if you got, if anyone has time to just learn sports like I did at some point in my life, um, I like, okay, culturally, Filipinos do not like hockey at all. They don't. So I was the one Filipino kid that was a big hockey fan. And I would always be looked at weirdly because everyone's just always like, oh, it's the white people sport. Fuck you. Like, you're not, you're you, like, there goes your chance of seeing a sport that's just like super fun to watch, super high paced, somewhat barbaric because they actually love fighting into it. Um, but yeah, that was, <laughs> that was me throughout like a lot of my life. Um, because of the Mighty Ducks, I, 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 I give credit to the Mighty Ducks for even getting me into hockey. I credit backyard hockey and like NHL hits on my GameCube for getting me into hockey. And then ultimately I went to my first LA Kings game in 2010. So that's when I became a fan. Another way Rachel and I bond is because she is a huge hockey fan too. I am also in her fantasy hockey league. And I want to ask you because the Islanders actually have more of a fan experience with hockey than, than the LA Kings do. So, and I know that you have a family history of, you know, being diehard New York Islanders fans, and I know this. So, how has that love affair with that team been for you 
like your whole life. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, this year, watching them get to the Eastern Conference Finals in the first time my entire life. So I'm 24. They haven't, they hadn't made it since 1993. Been, you know, many of our key players weren't alive either when, mm. you know, this was happening. So it was just watching this historic run in a historic time was just so fun. And, oh my gosh, what it's like, the history behind it. So I credit my love for this team to my dad um shout out andy yeah shout out to andy um and you know what (laughs) we can't sleep on erica either she also grew up with season tickets oh yeah both my parents grew up with season tickets to the aisles um they didn't meet until like they later in life but Mm -hmm. um you know their paths have crossed somewhere and you know i grew up with two diehard islanders parents and I will never forget moving back to the East Coast when I was in fourth grade. And it was kind of, you know, around the time when you start learning sports. And I just remember it was like, okay, I'm going to be an Islanders fan. Everyone in our area in Connecticut was a Bruins fan. Mm -hmm. Um, It was Bruins or Rangers. Yeah. And I was the kid who was an Isles fan. And I actually, my first jersey I ever had was my dad's first jersey. It was the Ooh. inaugural jersey that was given to season ticket holders. So we are, oh, he's going to listen to this and yell at me for butchering it. But we are season ticket holders 0005. So we were the <laughs> fifth ever season ticket holders for the Isles. If I got that wrong, it's only by plus or minus a couple. <laughs> Probably more plus, but yeah. not too much more. Um, oh no, I'm getting a FaceTime. Speaking of FaceTime. Yeah. Um, no, so, you know, grew up absolutely just adoring this team. And this was back when, man, the aisle sucked. Like, yeah, we would drive out to the Coliseum. We'd be winning the entire time, lose 3-2 overtime. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not see the Islanders win a game in person until 2018. No way. Yeah. And so my dad and I are actually on an Islanders arena tour. So we are following Islanders around um, the North America um, and we will watch them play in every, every away state. So it was really cool. Actually, right before the world shut down, we got to go to Vegas and obviously Phoenix. That was a kind of a no brainer Mm -hmm. for us. They played the 15th in Vegas Mm -hmm. and then the 17th in Phoenix. Oh, damn. You beat COVID before that. We did. Oh, my gosh. And I remember my dad made a comment and he was like, and this whole COVID thing that's happening like in Europe and China, like sounds kind of sketchy. Like, do you think we'll be fine? And I was like, of course, we'll be fine. This isn't anything we need to worry about. We're going for hockey. Um, So it was something we needed to worry about. Um, And also, we did watch them lose twice. Mm. which was not fun but yeah no I I like went on so many tangents just because of how many happy memories I have with the Isles but Mm. uh, it's a connection I have with my uh, grandpa on my dad's side something that I have with my grandma on my mom's side Um, it's something that I hold close and near to my heart with my dad and it's just this connection that unless you have that sports connection I don't think you'll understand it and I don't think there's a way to put words to the way that a team that has no idea who you are makes mm-hmm. you feel right and it's been really cool i've been able to kind of join the aisles family um i run one of the meetup groups 
So it's a group of us who run meetups around the country and I, you know, get great state 48 to be able to find other Isles fans in Arizona. And it's just this, Oh, that's right. Oh, that was a fly. Was that? Oh, that? yeah. It's a big fly. Yeah, this is not a bug-friendly pod. I hate that. And like, <sighs> God, you know what? I'm gonna say this is good luck because that's actually the first time a fly has made a cameo on any episode. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, that's the fly's way of being like, Rachel, stop talking. Like you're going in circles. But yeah, nah, my connection nah, nah. <laughs> and love to the aisles and watching them on social media and you know our drive for five we've been driving for that stanley cup that fifth cup for what is it 38 years <laughs> oh no i mean our last cup came yeah oh my gosh wasn't it like 83 or something 84 84 our last cup. good lord so the 85 85 season oh my gosh now i'm on uh, oh my god now i'm on like air and i'm like getting all nervous wait i think you killed it I think you killed it right on your head. I don't think I did. I think it flew over. Oh, man. Okay, hold on. Now I'm getting, like, all nervy with... <laughs> oh, that my is, God. That is rough. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I remember seeing, like, my dad having this keychain mm-hmm. that was... It says drive for five, and it was for the season ticket after, holders. After the three-peat, right? Didn't you have like a – no, it was a four-peat. It's a four-peat, yeah. So we went – okay, I was right. I was right. Okay. Yeah, so we won the cup peat. in uh, – we won the 79-80 season, the mm-hmm. 80-81 season, the 80-82 season, and the 82-83 season. So since oh, my. 84, 83-84 season. 36 years – of driving for that. five? That drive for five. For 36 years. I don't know. I, I slept on their 80 cup in my head. I like just skipped straight to 81. Oh my, oh my God. That's so embarrassing. Ah! Um, I promise so- <laughs> I'm a real fan. It's because I haven't looked at my Stanley Cup banner. I like moved. <laughs> yeah. I haven't hung up my banner yet. Uh huh. Damn. But, um, I mean, if you notice, like, there's, there's a reason why I specifically chose this background because look who we beat in the 2014 Stanley Cup final. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Did you see, I think, tonight, the it's either tonight or tomorrow, the Rangers are going to release LaVadquest. That makes me sad because mm-hmm. I, I love Hank. He's such yeah. a good guy. Even though we did this to him. Sorry, Hank. Yeah, look at, look at that. I know, like, the thing is, like, I didn't know that y'all called the Rangers the rags, which is such a funny thing. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing either. Until really? Recently. Like, till social media. That's so what Jack also, and Heidi said. Yeah, but the thing is, is, like, so growing up a distance fan, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up around other kids who were Isles fans. So uh, I didn't know a lot. I don't know a lot of the slang. Like, obviously, I know certain things and now because of social media mm-hmm. i can know a lot of things but oh my gosh i remember going to my first islanders game and for rick D. Pietro, they oh. were saying dp uh-huh. and like i was like oh okay that's a thing yeah. and it's just you know it wasn't a thing when obviously my dad was growing up a fan it wasn't a thing with my mom growing up a yeah. fan my uncle and uh-huh. um, we also lived in europe for um 
four years in the 90s. Right. And this is before technology too. So it's not like we were following the aisles. So I know nothing about like, <laughs> 90s aisles. Just nothing because I couldn't even learn it from my dad. So I always joke with my group message, like, if this is a 90s aisles thing, like, count me out. I, don't know. <laughs> I think you've said that like a couple times too. I noticed that, yeah. which is really funny. Um, now you mentioned Rick DiPietro, man, that was the goalie for USA in 2006 Torino Olympics. And I specifically remember that because that was one of the first times that um, I saw hockey a lot more on TV because I only used to see hockey on TV uh, when it was the playoffs. I didn't have mm-hmm. ca- I didn't have cable until fifth grade. Okay. So I didn't even get to like realize that there was the Anaheim Ducks at the time or the LA Kings, you know? So like, and, and like my, my whole little journey with hockey, it was like, I told you, I was, I, I love the movies, Mighty mm-hmm. Ducks. I love the GameCube games, like NHL hits and then like backyard hockey and the, the kind of LA Homer that I was, I'm surprised that at the time I didn't even care about the LA Kings um part of it was because my parents didn't really know enough about hockey they didn't really you know and and if if you don't really know about it then like what's there to like about it Mm -hmm. we didn't have cable so we didn't even get to watch it we only got to see if it was on tv during the stanley cup finals which was happening what may or june of every year so we didn't get to see it all the time for me to care like okay I, i like this team whatever um and then i finally got cable in fifth grade and that was when I found out that at this point in time, when I, at least when I was watching like the first LA Kings broadcast, I don't know how I remember the, like one of the first games that I watched on cable with them. It was against the Philadelphia Flyers. And I was in about like fifth or sixth grade. And that was during the times that we first got like Drew Doughty and um, Dustin Brown and Wayne Simmons was on the LA Kings. And that's when I was like, holy shit, I really like this sport. Mm-hmm. And then, for my 12th birthday, my parents got me tickets to go watch an LA Kings game. I've gone to Montreal. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, so mushy. Yeah. And so that's like, that was my true intro to becoming like an LA Kings fan. Um, oh but like, I see that the part that for me, that's, an, that's so annoying is that I see all these other hockey team cultures and like how they just have like way more of a community than LA does. And I'm just like, damn, I wish that we had more of a passionate like hockey community than you know, I, I see, like, it must be nice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a town that cares about the Lakers and the Dodgers more then like, of course, you're, of course, they're not gonna like care about your hockey team as much. Yeah. But I'm then gonna I get, stamp, I'm going to put a timestamp on this right now. Um, yeah. Congrats to your Lakers right now. It's very exciting. I am. I am. I have car. I'm, I'm get, I think I'm going to get cardiovascular disease, like from just <laughs> because from sports in general. Yes, oh the gosh. sports in general. The Lakers are in the finals. The Dodgers are in the postseason. Oh, hypertension. Hypertension, y'all. It's a real thing when it comes to sports. Um, fun fact, did you did you ever hear about, like, when Manny Pacquiao, the, our Filipino boxer, had a fight and someone passed out in the middle of the fight because of stress? No. Oh, my God. That was a thing. That actually happened. Like... Was so, it during like that the Pacquiao like Mayweather fight that was like no, some money on it or something? It or? wasn't. It wasn't that one. It was like during Pacquiao's actual prime when he wasn't old. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So when he was like starting to hit America by storm. 
Yeah. And it was like in the middle of his prime. So it was like before Ricky, the Ricky Hatton fight where he just knocked him out in like two rounds. Um, someone just got a heart attack. <laughs> um, but they, they survived, needless to say. Like that yeah. person, that person was fine after that. But, you know, if you ever tell Rachel and I that like sports is just a game, you don't, you just don't get it. You don't get it. And look, it brought me you. I remember like knowing that you were kind of a hockey fan and like walking up to your desk at work and being like, I want to join my fantasy. <laughs> like, yeah, you like. I don't know if this is appropriate or not. I don't know. You, I remember you silently were just like, hey, so I heard that you like hockey. And I was like, yeah, I do. Like I, I, just the person I, I was, I was like, yeah, she activated the sports button. Let's go. Yep. Um, and then she was like, hey, fantasy hockey. And I was like, oh. I got so excited <laughs> and um, so I got to meet the most amounts of Islanders fans I've ever met in my life. I've never <laughs> been surrounded by Islanders fans until I met you. And then I was introduced to the chat Yeah. and I was so happy that I was a part of that because I got to see like all these different characters of Islanders fans of all different ages. And then, you know, I had virtual friends across the country. That's the, mo the modern pen pals are the, the, the group chats yes. of people that you have because of fantasy sports. Mm -hmm. So look what Rachel has done for me and given me an extended family. Like, obviously that is great. So um, happy in the fam. Oh, now we're actually about to reach time. I know. Oh, wow. Your bedtime. I was about to say my bedtime is approaching. Uh, <laughs> Rachel's okay. bedtime is approaching like towards the, the end of this podcast is actually approaching as well. Um, except well, you're going to edit out the one part that makes me look stupid. I'm not going to say it because I want it to be edited out. And he knows which part it is, but this part, just in case you don't take this part out. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I know. <laughs> I do. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Closing remarks again, Lily cats. Thank you for bringing me this girl. Likewise, because all she's done is always care for my wellness, no matter what. And like, she's definitely done that for everyone else that she, that enters her life or is within her presence. Um, I, after, after the pandemic, I am so excited for you and Andy to come to LA because I will watch that Kings game with y'all. Oh, absolutely. You best be coming to that game with us. We cannot wait. Yeah, I and this time you won't have a crutch because I remember when you went to go watch Vegas and Phoenix, you were on crutches. <laughs> so, crutches with a hip to ankle cast. <laughs> yeah. Um. Any last words for the pod? Oh my gosh, no! Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you guys for letting me nerd out with you guys and and just be able to express myself. I think Adrian, what you're doing here and just letting your friends come on and just genuinely be themselves and unapologetically them is just so awesome and it's what we need in the world right now so keep putting that energy out there and keep being you and keep being awesome yeah so guys again most of my friends that i have on here i think are very interesting and this is a, and i'm the type of person as i mentioned in previous podcasts that i am not i'm not mo not as comfortable as combining friend groups even though that doesn't even though it sounds so off-brand of me this is like a good way for y'all to meet them, you know, just by listening, whatever they have to say. So I'm glad that this has impacted Rachel, at least in some way. I hope it's impacted y'all. And to end the pod, 
once again, this is your captain speaking. Thanks for flying and stay that way. See you guys.